Hello and welcome back to The Finch Takes It All, a limited series podcast which celebrates and reflects on the filmography of director David Fincher. I'm your host, Emily Murray, and today I'm joined by film journalist Tom Percival for the final episode in this season of the podcast. On this podcast, we have watched and discussed all of Fincher's feature films, and so it felt right to end the season by looking at our favourites. Which ones stand out in his filmography and why? Me and Tom compare our rankings of his movies and, spoiler alert, we very much disagree. Right, let's get into it. Hello Tom and welcome to The Finch Takes It All. How are you today? Hello Emily, I'm fine. <laughs> Feels weird asking how you are since you've been locked down with me for 300 days now? I think we Three asked Alexa. Months. Yeah, Alexa told us the other day it's been 301 <laughs> days sat here at this kitchen table. You've yeah. done two podcasts in that time yes. and I've done half a podcast. <laughs> you've not been as dedicated as me to, to the art of podcasting. Um, for listeners who don't know who you are, I suppose introduce yourself hello i'm tom percival i am a uh, social editor at unilad a bbc film critic and your partner yes yes which is why i get to be on the podcast (laughs) during lockdown because you have literally no one else to speak to at the moment but also i thought it'd be nice to have you on because whilst i've been doing this fincher podcast you have watched every single fincher film with me i have so I thought it'd be nice for us to reflect on our experiences, having watched all 11 of his feature films. And also we have very different opinions. We do have very different opinions. Um, yeah, I, when you asked me to put this list together, I was actually surprised at what crept up the list and okay. what was lower down than I was expecting. Mm. I am interested because you haven't shown me your list. No, I've not. Like in my head, because obviously we've seen the films together, like I know your opinions on some. Yes. But I don't know. What's going to be like number one, for instance? I think or... I think my number one is probably the most obvious, considering how well you know me and you know what film I wanted to talk about, which I was kicked off <laughs> the episode because a bigger name came along. <laughs> oh bless, I'm on, bless him. Um, obviously, the point of me doing this podcast was because I, I wanted to try and find out what my favorite Fincher film was. Have I found that? I hope so. I mean, I hope so too. My favorite rankings is. With Fincher particularly, because like, I love so many of his movies, it's really hard to pick a favourite. Because it depends on what mood I'm in. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. As I say, I was surprised what floated to the top in mine. There's definitely a theme running through them, because I there are two, there are definitely two that I think are easily his weakest films. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I, I think, and I think this has been said on the podcast a lot, Fincher doesn't really make bad films i agree he doesn't make bad films no, no he's even made... though he thinks he makes bad films <coughs> alien free and game but... he's not a big fan of the game either no mm-hmm. i was reading that today well but yeah so this is just so we have written our rankings we haven't seen them we thought we'd go through them today in the podcast and as i say this is just how i've been feeling today like if you'd ask me next week it might be feeling completely different it depends on my mood and I feel like it's reflective as well of like my mood in lockdown. <laughs> See, I've ranked them on how much I want to rewatch them. If that yeah, makes so sense. it's like a personal favorite. Yeah, it's a personal list rather than a, you know an academic, subjective. These are the best. These are the mine's best. the same. Mine's my my personal favorite list. So I think who wants? Should we take it in turns? Start with the bottom, work our way to the top. Yes. Who Come wants on. to go? Who should What's go? What's that first? rap song I've been thinking of now? Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm losing my mind in lockdown free, clearly. Uh, do you want to go first? Yes, I'll go first. I have chosen, I think it's the obvious pick, Alien 3. I think it's undeniably his worst film. Um, 
it stinks. One of those films when you watch it, you you can you can see the sticky thumbprints of the studio interference all over. I it. think Fincher would agree with you. Oh no, yeah, he definitely, <laughs> he definitely would. He he's disowned this film. It, it's just, you know, I, I know there's been a lot of talk about oh the revised cut is a lot better, but Fincher had no involvement in that. I just think it's a it's a it's a pretty poor film to be completely honest. I, I don't think it lives up to anywhere near the you know high watermark of alien and aliens i know james cameron didn't like it the only thing i can say about it is i think it's quite a pretty film aside from the cgi which is dreadful but it, it doesn't work either as a suspenseful horror like alien and it's not a fun action film like aliens it's just pants oh oh did you find because we watched all the alien films i think like two years ago yes and that was when i first saw alien 3 and watching it within the context of like we watched all of them like in a week was it or something yeah something like that and i think like i was like yeah it's not great but actually watching it recently by itself without context of alien aliens did help me quite a bit see i disagree because my, my eleven is different to you see i, I disagree because alien and aliens are just ingrained in my conscious i know those films whereas this i mean it doesn't help that we weren't even sure which cut we were watching because we were so <laughs> uninterested in watching this film um yeah so I, I, I it really doesn't stand up for me uh, you said yours is different though mine is different also one fun fact is me and tom fiercely uh like we disagree in terms of what's better alien or aliens i think aliens is better you're wrong I'm, i it's, mean it's clearly alien it, it's not but okay <laughs> Uh, so my 11 is different um this will come to well i'm going to keep my opinion short because people have listened to on the podcast i've been talking a lot about fincher films obviously uh, individually and i'm really sorry to let our uh, lovely guest maria down who joined me for the benjamin button episode and tried to convince me why it's a good film because benjamin button is number 11 yeah i'm sorry maria i'm not, <laughs> not on board with benjamin button being but, yeah i think it's his worst and obviously I'm not going to say where Alien 3 is in my list because we're going to keep that a surprise. But um, but yeah, Benjamin Button's bottom for me because I just found it really, really boring. I don't know why I couldn't get into it. I just found it to be really overly sentimental, very nonsensical. Maybe I just don't have a heart. See, I'm going to be... I'm going to spoil my next pick. My next pick is The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, okay. Uh, so you I, think it's better than Alien 3? I think it's better than Alien 3, but I only say that because... There's a weight of ambition behind uh, Benjamin Button. I do understand that, to be fair. And, I, you know, I love Brad Pitt. I like Kate Blanchett. So they, they're, they're ticks in the, hey, this is okay column. But it's interesting, you know, that yours is based on what you'd rewatch more. Because I never want to see Benjamin Button again in my whole life. See, Benjamin... Benjamin? Benjamin. That's a whole different... That's like Bender like Beckham meets <laughs> yeah, no, Benjamin just, Button. Uh, see, Benjamin... Yeah, I, I just think with Benjamin Button... It's a movie, whereas Alien 3 is a corporation's idea of what a movie <laughs> looks like. But I do agree. I think that I, I really, really do not like Benjamin Button. I think... That's the one when I went to watch it, you were like watched it from afar, yeah, watching re- your laptop. Because you'd already seen it. Yes. And yeah. you were like, I'm not re-watching this properly. Because it's nearly three hours. It's three it's minutes shy boring. of three hours long. And it's one of the dullest films I've ever seen. And it's so strange because it's such a you know this fantastical concept supposed to be this epic love story and it's just dull as dishwater i'd rather watch paint dry to be completely honest which tells you how much i dislike alien 3 <laughs> um yeah I, I just i really really don't like it it's so self-serious you could mm. tell it wanted to be taken really really seriously in fact 
was putting together my list, all I could think of is it's kind of wanting to be what Forrest Gump was. People love Forrest Gump, mm. so it went on to be an award, you know, an, an award darling. I think that's what they envisioned this as. It has so many Forrest Gump vibes, and I do not like Forrest Gump, hence why I probably do not like Benjamin Button. We disagree on so much. No, Forrest no. Gump is such You a showed me film. Forrest Gump in the first lockdown, and I, I just saw your face fall whilst yeah. I um, See, it, <laughs> did not look it, like I was enjoying it. And I think part of what the reason why it doesn't work is because Fincher, as you've kept saying through this podcast, he's a very dark filmmaker, he's a cynical filmmaker, and... There is a darkness to Benjamin Button, though. There is, but also it's it's such a it's it's supposed to be a romantic film, you know, of love and all this, and it just it just doesn't work. I'm sorry, but it's interesting because even though I think Benjamin Button's really dull and I never want to see it again, I do appreciate the cinematography, the acting, like the story is quite unique and would be interesting if it was if it was actually interesting. It might, you know, the concept's interesting. I just don't think it fulfilled the the height the concept you know was trying to reach but i don't think it's a bad film because i think fincher did make it well it just sucks <laughs> it's not a bad film it's just a it's really well film. made the my issue as i said with maria and do you know maria did convince me a bit but it isn't exactly a terrible terrible movie i mean so praise she... her for well done maria for convincing emily that but it's still bottom it's still, it's still not good it's just I just don't think it's for me. Fair enough. So, see, my number ten's Alien Three. Presumably for the similar reasons to me. Yeah, I feel that it's really obvious about the studio interference, and I would have been, I would have loved to see like Finch just be let loose. But I still think Alien Three is an enjoyable film. Like I enjoyed watching it recently. What about it is enjoyable? I found it suspenseful. I really liked Charles Dance's character. Okay, I, I will give you Charles Dance's. Is is okay in it? Can we tell you the story about when Charles Dance told you off? Charles Dance <laughs> told me off once because I was interviewing him and he was waiting to go for lunch and he was in a bad mood. He was in a bad mood. And he, I asked him. So it was. This, I was on the set of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Another and, bad film. And, 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 an okay <laughs> film. And I asked him. Charles, which is your favourite monster? And I don't know if you understood the question, but he just looked at me and he gave me did this... Did he not know his Mothra's from his Godzilla's? He did is not that... know his Mothra's. He knew that, you know, presumably there were a lot of zeros at the end of his paycheck. <laughs> but he gave me this withering look and in a way only Charles Dance could do, he just went, I don't believe in monsters. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. The thing is, I don't think I'd want Charles Dance to yell at me. He's got quite an intimidating presence. Didn't, yeah, doesn't need to yell. Keep but that's voice. why I think I like him in in this film because he's even though he's quite intimidating you know he's there's a sort of sense of sad to him he shags Ripley so there's a bit of like a I mean is that all you need in your film because <laughs> if you want to get technical so does the face hugger oh, no but I mean there's a sort of sensitive side to his to his character I really like the, the exploration of sort of morality in Alien 3 and I the idea of an alien movie is set in a prison, I think, is really interesting. But the Alien 3... It is a bit of a mess, and I, that is not Fincher's fault. I don't want to drift away from talking about Fincher, but what Alien 3 could have been, when you look at all those scripts that were written and tossed out and written and tossed out before Fincher came on board, there were much more interesting ideas in play ahead of, uh, ahead of what we ended up with. And, mm. you know, if Fincher doesn't like it, I don't think you can say you like it. I can. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Of course but can. I know what you mean. I feel that Fincher would be disappointed in me if he put it above Benjamin Button. But I'm sorry, I just... Like, if you were saying, like, Friday night with a beer, let's watch Alien 3, I'd be like, yeah, 
Friday Night with Bailey, let's watch Benjamin Button. No. You know what? This argument is almost convincing now <laughs> because the only reason I've put Benjamin Button ahead is because it's more, it's an actual film. But would I watch Alien 3? <laughs> um, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to doubt my list. <laughs> Don't doubt your list no. because that's just going to spar out of control. Yeah, exactly. Right to the number one spot. But um, no, Alien 3, number 10, I just, I think there's enough enjoyable aspects and interesting aspects in there to make it fun. And also, Ripley's just a badass. Yeah, okay. No one is a badass in Benjamin Button. Brad Pitt? No. 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 He's kind of just a wet blanket. He's a very much a wet Kate blanket. Kate Blanchett didn't like her either, so good actress, didn't like the character. Anyways, you're number nine. This is my big controversial oh, choice. No. <laughs> the one that you know has been coming and is going to upset some people. I do not like The Social Network, oh. and I have never <laughs> liked The Social Network. Every time you say this, it causes me to like stress out. <laughs> it, it has never sat well with me as a story. I just don't like watching it again i can appreciate technically it's a fantastic piece of film That's like yeah, I mean, and it goes without saying you know uh the filmmaking sensation all the trent reznor and atticus ross score it's brilliant there's so much to like in it is it just the story bores you I or hate the story and i dislike the dialogue everyone is talking so fast how do you feel about other sorkin dialogue heavy movies we haven't seen west wing we're actually going to we've not that. seen the west wing uh molly's, molly's game. game molly's game i i, I like quite a lot uh what that's very sorkin uh, i mean he directed trial of chicago 7 but that was a bit mm. trial of chicago i like trial of chicago 7 but I, yeah i mean maybe it is sorkin's dialogue that really doesn't sit right with grates, everyone greats on me i just yeah, I, I've, and I think as well, and I don't want to pin this on Jesse Eisenberg because I think that he is a good actor, but that performance as Zuckerberg, it's just, I, I, I hate him so much. You find so it too much. snarky. Yeah, it's, I I know you've got to dramatise to make films interesting, and but I just don't see Mark Zuckerberg as that type of person, and I find him so unlikable. It's an, It's something, you know, that like, film critics have talked about for a while do you need to like the main character no. to enjoy a film and no i don't think you do because i don't like uh, what's his face from the wolf of wall street either but uh, I like jordan, jordan belfort, belfort yeah. yeah but I, I but i like that film but there's something about mark zuckerberg in that film that i find contemptible and it means that i dislike the entire film and i know as well what about eduardo Severin? because he if you're gonna label him like mark zuckerberg's a villain then eduardo would be the likable hero yeah, I, he's not. There's he's, no heroes, yeah, there's villains, no heroes in it, and it's. I mean, it's classic Fincher, isn't it? You know, like everything's wrapped up in obsession, and mm. uh, this, as I said before, this veil of cynicism. I, I, I like him more, but equally, he suffers from what you described as Benjamin Button's problem as being a big wet blanket. You know, he's he's led on this, he's led led astray by Zucker. He's got no balls. No, he doesn't. And I know, like the, the the fashionable thing to say these days is that it's Mark Zuckerberg's supervillain origin story, isn't it? That's yeah. why everyone was saying because we had the anniversary a few weeks ago. A few and weeks ago, a few months ago. That's that's how long lockdown's been. It's been so long. <laughs> but it's just one of them. It's like, why are we elevating this scumbag to you know to why? I don't think the film is lionizing him, but I think the film is making him slightly cooler than he is. Like you said, with the I snark. don't think he's cool at all. Maybe I think again, he's just a twat. I, I don't know. Just watching it makes. But I want to watch it. Ma- watching it makes me feel queasy. It, it, it's it's not. It is not a bad film. I, I just want to say it is separate from Benjamin Button and Alien Three in that it is clearly a good film. And I lots of people I respect and admire enjoy this film. It has just never sat well with me, and I blame it 
on both the writing and Jesse Eisenberg. I can always hear our friend Cameron Stephen with anger yeah, somewhere he, in Scotland because yeah, it's his favourite film ever. I <laughs> sent him this list earlier just to annoy him because I knew he, I know that Social Network is his film of the decade. I think it's his favourite film. No, Shawshank's his favourite film ever, but I think it's his favourite, like, He's definitely. I think, it's, I think he told us before it's his favourite film. Uh, he was on the Social Network podcast, and I honestly, I can't remember what... Yeah, what no, I'm pretty sure this is his favourite film. And you know what? I totally get why it's your favourite film. Mm. You know, opinion is a broad church. However, I do not like it. Come at me, film Twitter. <laughs> My number nine, I think, is definitely less controversial because it's the game. Oh, Okay. Which I really... So we hadn't seen the game before. Neither of us had. So we watched it. And I feel like the game last year got a bit of recognition because I believe Arrow Video had like a recent re-release of it. I'd say it's his most underseen work. Yeah, I'd probably say that. Sort of fell like... I think it was like a mid-budget thriller that sort of fell after seven, like before five, like sort of in between things. And um, I really liked the game. It was thrilling. It was interesting. I loved performances. But it just... uh, it just lacked something. See, compared to his, compared to the rest of Finch's filmography, I think there was just a bit of a spark lacking, and it was a bit. Some points were a bit cliche, and I understand that part of the reason why some bits are a bit cliche is because the cliches were invented like around the time by Fincher and for the game. But I don't know. It was just. I don't know, it's just a spark missing. Like, I don't think I'd ever want to rewatch it. See, I disagree entirely. I really want to rewatch it because I've only seen it once and we watched it when you were. Maybe that's to... why it's so low down on the list as well because I haven't only seen it once. See, so I... maybe I haven't had like another experience where I know the ending as well. Maybe, yeah. And I can have a bit more, I can see the, the layers, etc. Uh, that's what I'd like. That's why I'd like to rewatch it. I, I won't talk too much about the game, but I've put the game a lot higher oh, in my, my ranking because I love myself a paranoid thriller and it's one of those films where i was on the edge of my yeah, seat I, I didn't know what was going to happen from one scene to the next i was literally michael clueless. douglas is very good and, and, and michael douglas was fantastic in it yes uh, but i don't want to say too much about the game like, i really liked the game it was just that there's just something like there's something lacking for me but again maybe it's because i've only seen it once maybe i need to revisit it and because I didn't see the ending come in as well. I mean, that's another thing is, the ending was a bit meh. The ending is a bit meh. I, I will agree with you on that. And I think to be... Com- I, I've got a bitch an- is very good at endings. I, I've, got, I've got another one where I say I don't really like the ending of it. I, oh, no. I think it's a bit, bit of a Is this your heart. number nine? Oh, sorry. So no, my, it's not my number Let's nine. Let's move to your number nine. So my number nine is Mank. Oh, interesting. His most recent. So totally solid film. Really, really enjoyed it. I will never watch Mank again. I'll be completely honest. It feels like a passion project because obviously his fa- his his dad wrote this, and it's clear that like you know this is this is a, a it's you know a, something he's been wanting to make for a long time. Yeah, one hundred percent. He was meant to make this when he was going to make the game. But I think, if I'm being completely honest, I think his passion has blinded him to some of the film's failings. Um, I'm going to be completely as as I said to you at the time. I wasn't a massive fan of the style, uh, like the 1940s the stylization. stylization and the way it was presented. Really, nothing annoys me more than fake film burn on a on a film. It's like just the cigarette burns. Yeah, the cigarette burns on film. Just stop it. It's really pretentious. Do you like it in Fight Club though? No, I don't like it in Fight Club. But they point to it. In Fight the Club, only it's time meant to be a joke. Yeah, that's the thing. The only time it's been done well in the history of cinema is in Gremlins when <laughs> the uh, film reel burns out halfway through. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm I'm not I'm not a fan of the stylization. 
I, I, know, I know you didn't like the character. No, I didn't like Mank. I found him very, very... You know, oh, I'm, he's the smartest man in the room. It's Mankowitz. And it's just very irritating. And I'll be completely honest. I think my biggest problem with it was was how heavy-handed the Citizen Kane references were. Like that oh, scene I didn't think when... it was... There was one heavy-handed one, which mm. obviously is when the alcohol bottle drops out of his hand compared to the... Rosebud. Yeah. This... But I liked that. See, but I... I think the other references are less explicit. See, I not... it really, really annoyed me when Orson Welles gets really annoyed and he starts wrecking the room and Mankowitz sits down and he's like starts writing because he's... And then he, you presume he's writing the scene when Citizen Kane goes mad and you know destroys that room. I just thought it was a bit like, oh, have you seen Citizen Kane? Because if you have, this one, this bit's for you. And it's like, yes, we've all seen Citizen Kane. <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> yeah, we didn't really yeah, we saw it, it like a week before. But I, it's funny because I think part of it is that um, my enjoyment of the film was entirely looped into the fact that I had seen Citizen Kane Very and seeing those bits. And I loved Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane has gone into my top 10 films ever. Because it's it, one of the best films ever made. 100% seared into my brain. Can't wait to watch it again. It just, this feels so unessential. It feels like a film that if you haven't seen Citizen Kane, you're not getting the most out of it. And if you have seen Citizen Kane, you're watching it and you're thinking, God, I wish I was watching Citizen Kane, the best, mm-hmm. one of the best films ever made. I, I, I will give it something. I, I thought Gary Oldman's performance was great. I thought I, I, I liked the dialogue. You know, it, it's an interesting story. How historically accurate it is, is something else. Yes. But for the most part, I found it slightly pretentious, a little bit... Uh, what's the word? Um... I, w- I want to say self-love, but the only word that's coming to mind is master- masturbatory, but that's not what I mean. Um, yeah, it just self-involved, feels... Self-involved. Yeah, se- self-indulgent. It's a self-indulgent mm. film. And I'm glad I saw it, but I'll never watch it again. Yeah, so my number eight is Mank. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I feel like really divided upon Mank because when I first saw it, I was like, I really liked it, but I, it had setbacks. And I think I spent the next month like really like going in between thinking the setbacks I was a bit maybe too mean and when I first watched it in terms of the setbacks and I was like nah actually it is like flawed um I really enjoy speaking to I had Nev Pierce on the Mank podcast and he was a big fan and it was interesting because some of my issues in terms of like well my main issues was the short change like some of the female characters get like Tuppence Middleton as poor Sarah I just found that really I don't know there just wasn't anything to her yeah except for the fact she was just poor Sarah (laughs) and then but I was like but then when they've said that's just because like we are seeing them like not at the start of their like blossom relationship we're seeing it as like when they've been married for years and she just have to just put up his shit and I was like okay I kind of understand that so talking to Nev really helped me sort of understand my issues with the film but I was like actually no but I still find that issue in the film but I agree with you it's just like it's beautiful I actually really like stylization yeah you do but I kind of like I like I really liked the artist when that came out. I don't like the artist either. Yeah, yeah so. so I quite like these sort of stylized movies. And I didn't think it was overly stylized. See, it's it's a definitely an issue of mine as a film fan that if I get the a whiff of pre- pretense, yeah, it, it, it turns me off almost immediately. We always argue about what's pretentious or not because I would say Mank's not pretentious, and I would say it is. <laughs> but we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. But um. I, I really liked Gary Oldman. I really liked Amanda Seyfried. She was probably the highlight for me. Okay. She's just so fun. Yeah. And I liked it when she had her really diverse moments, like when Manx like, "Can you speak to the? Can you speak to the studio?" 
And she's like, I've already made my exit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, like, she's just that. like, I just loved her in the film. Charles, and Charles Dance again Charles Dance. Well. <laughs> Charles Dance is back again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was he was really good. I've, uh, awesome. Oh, who's the guy who played Awesome Wells? Tom Burke. Tom, Tom yeah, Burke. Yeah. He was really good as Awesome Wells. But it's interesting because... See, I thought he was good in the start. Like, because Awesome Wells has that unique voice. You know, oh, it's really, booming. Yeah. Booming. Like, it's a fantastic voice to listen to. Uh I thought he was brilliant to start with, and the more we saw of him, the less good that accent got. It, it sort of faded in and out as the film went on. Yeah, but I think like it's interesting because what you said, like I don't find it too sits and cane heavy. Like I thought, what was most interesting about the movie was the analysis of politics at the time, yeah. Hollywood politics, and how it relates to. I'd say like one of my favorite scenes was when. The studio exec goes into it, and it's the room full of his staff, and he says, we're having to cut your salaries. Yeah. And someone asks, are you also having your salary cut? And he just doesn't answer the question. And I really liked those sort of bits, which I suppose ties to like what we sort of see nowadays from these big corporations. And I'd agree, but I'm going to loop it back to Citizen Kane, okay. and when you watch Citizen Kane, and there's that... When I Kane, suppose there is those Kane, elements in there, yeah. Yeah, Kane's having his speech for, you know... Um, because he wants to be, I can't remember what it is now, congressman or senator or something yeah, like that. Yeah, elected anyways. And um, there's the paper and it's like election fraud if if I lose and if I win, then I've won fairly. And that obviously is so prescient for today. And that was made <laughs> yeah. in 1942 while Mank was made in 2019. I think it's because the script is from the 90s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But, you know, I sort of enjoyed all these aspects. But yeah, the reason why it's number eight is because I just... I said there were flaws. I feel like some of the female characters were just very like, meh. not Amanda Seyfried, basically every other female character. There's one moment when um, Lily Collins stood up for herself, I mean, but Mank was passed out. You know, with the. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Gary Oldman was great. Like, it was funny, it was entertaining, but I just, I tuned out of it. Yeah, I, I, I think this is, I think basically we're on the same page with it, that it is a, it's a good film. It's just an unessential film. It's not something... I haven't really thought about it since I, my last watch. No, exactly. And I don't I, think I'd ever see it again. No, I'm in the same boat. It feels like... Again, it just feels like something you you don't need to see it, to be completely it was, honest. It was such a rich experience. Everything about it was just so grandiose, Ooh. and I loved that. Rich, I like rich. that. Yeah. Well, I think it was it Clarice who put in her review, it's like eating a full steak. I could eat a steak now. No, it's really a mistake. <laughs> but I mean, that's what I mean. That's what it is like as a film. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just find myself tuning out a bit sometimes. But let's move on to your number seven. So my number seven is, and I want to say at this point, there's very, very little separating right. these films. So this is Panic Room. Oh, okay. Right. Um, Mine's also Panic Room. Oh, is it? Yeah. Excellent. Right. <laughs> so I, I think Panic Room is fantastic. I think it's... Does such, what it says on the tin. I mean, yeah, 100%. It's such a tight thriller. I think I'm probably going to damn it with some faint praise when I say it's, it's slightly nuts and boltsy in that it's really, really solidly constructed, but there's no frills. It's not exactly... But see, I liked the no frills aspect. No, no, I agree. And, and I... it's interesting because Finch is all about them frills. No, he is. And I know that part of the reason, I presume at least, is because he just made Fight Club and it was like, God, I need to step also, back. Also, he went through hell making Panic Room. Yeah, I mean, I, I skimmed over this stuff <laughs> on IMDb about the production troubles, but it looked it looked like it was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, but Poor I, Fincher. Again, I, I really like it. Um, I, I think... Uh, Jodie Foster is incredible in it. I think Kristen Stewart's very good in it. Kristen Stewart's very good in it, and it's very, very tight. It's a really, really well constructed story. 
not a massive fan of Jared Leto's performance, but I'm not a massive fan of Jared Leto. Yeah, because he's a twat. Because he's a twat. <laughs> um, so, but actually, I really like him in Panic Room because he is playing a twat. He does play a good twat. Because I wonder why. <laughs> um, but again, it just feels slightly mid-table. Like there's there's a lot to like in it, but at the same time, there's a lot more to like in his other films. And I realise that's controversial because at this point, I have ranked the game higher. Oh yeah, so it's interesting because I had like ranked the game in Frame Benjamin Button underneath Panic Room because I'd rather watch Panic Room art over all of those. Yeah, and I think I think in terms of it had a goal to achieve, and Fincher basically said himself he wanted to make a nuts and bolts thriller, which you know audience would see and like is it he called it a date he wanted to make a date night movie yeah, yeah. and i think he fully achieved that goal compared to like with mank where i don't think he completely achieved his goal yeah i think that's 100 percent true um and as you say like it, it's just really good to watch yeah. and i really like i said this with um when tom beasy joined me for the uh, podcast episode on it i just find the camera work super satisfying it's yeah. like asmr to me yeah it's a really well shot film it's it's one of those movies where if it's on, I'd happily watch it. Yeah. Just, again, it, it, part of the it's just that lack of it's 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 well put together, but it's just not got that elan, that style that I, I've come to expect from Fincher. One of the flaws I think in terms of for me for Panic Room is at the end, Forrest Whitaker, like he sort of you know gets arrested by the police, but the only one surviving. I don't think the film quite knew what to. Do his character because he's the good one. I mean, he's not a good one because yeah. he, you know, still like tries to fuck up the family and all that. But you know, I don't think they quite knew what to. I don't think they quite knew how the audience should feel about the character and what to do with him at the end. See, I think that's deliberate though. I think that Fincher likes those ambiguous endings. I where... do, but I feel that like it needed to go a bit too far one way. Okay. I think they were just a bit like on the fence and I know that they changed it after audience reactions oh really I didn't know that so maybe that's why I think it's on the fence see it's interesting Panic Room is the one that I've just my, on my notes I've written the least about again <laughs> it's just because I, it, I think it's good I just don't have that much to say about it yeah I know what you mean but like I, I think it just really achieves the goal and I think it's just really entertaining and I'm happy to rewatch it again um, Jodie Foster Christian Stewart will you make it for me fair enough uh, what's your number six my number six is the game. Ah, okay. So obviously, we've said that we watched we we watched this in lockdown when we decided to do this podcast. And this is the only one of Finches you hadn't seen. This, yeah, it's the only one I hadn't seen before. Um, so I really, really like the game because it's so weird. And in fact, I debated putting this higher. Mm. This was nearly my number five. You're a massive fan of horror, and it has a lot of horror elements. Exactly. A lot of, a lot of horror elements in it. Exactly. I, uh, When I was watching it, I was, like you said before, on the edge of my seat. I was paranoid. I had no idea what was going to happen next. I think that it's a really, really compelling story. I love Michael Douglas's performance oh, in so it. It's so good. It's just that debate of what's real and what's not, and you, you, you don't know until the very end. I mean, the concept is absolutely bonkers let's be completely honest it is it makes about as much sense as benjamin button benjamin button yeah but i like that it just goes for it like it, it yeah. doesn't question for a second its it own dedicates re- itself yeah. to the idea it doesn't question its own reality it just does it the the one thing i found quite strange about it is in comparison to all the other films it has kind of a definitively happy ending in the Michael Douglas, you know, it ends at Michael Douglas's birthday, and 
it is revealed. Yeah, but they did put him through all that. They did. Why? Well, because he was. I know bored. they wanted to make him a better person and give him some entertainment, but it just felt a bit messed up. Right? It, it, it does, but he, you know, but like you said, he comes out of it a better person. He's learned some stuff. He's had a thrill. It is, and you know, there's no looming danger anymore. The game is over <laughs> in theory, or at least you'd hope the game is over. I, it, it's the most uplifting of David Fincher's films to my mind, uh, for now. Uh, I think room they survive. Yeah, they do, but also, you know, there's a little kid in that who goes through absolute hell panic and nearly room, dies. Sorry, go back to Panic Room. It has an awful scene at the end where it's still, they're sat outside in the bench and it's all really pretty yeah. and sunshine and they're looking for a new flat. Yeah. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, I hate that scene so much. That's like the, my main issue with Panic Room. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like, I, I, again, mid table, mid table, uh, Fincher for me, uh, very nearly top tier. It just. Again, I, I don't. I like it when Fincher goes dark, and it's not as dark as it possibly could be. But it does get a bonus point for having a creepy clown in it. Yeah, there wasn't enough creepy clown. I, no, I think it was the perfect amount of creepy clown. I liked it when they went clown. in and they graffitied his his house. Yeah, I mean, we're that talking about cool. stretching cre- uh, credibility, uh, credulity. Um, you know, like taking you out of the field. I am impressed that that team could get in, vandalize his house, and then get out in. You know. 10 minutes but whatever there must be many team members uh, mine's seven and at number six is seven really yeah and again i don't know if it's just because of lockdown i don't want to watch a really dep- it's his most depressing movie uh, actually he's made a lot of depressing movies but i find this movie very depressing we'll get to this when i talk about seven but i do not think seven is a depressing film i think it's really dark it's very gruesome but like it's a bloody great movie this is now we're into five star territory. Yeah, I, I'd say that's fair. Um, I think obviously, like, what well, we've said everything about Seven about how good it is, and like the way it sort of fully immerses you, like it literally feels like watching it. Like there's like an inch of dirt on everything. Yeah. In this movie, it's filthy. It's, like it's, it's filthy. It's filthy. a profane. Uh, I'll talk about this more when I talk about Seven, but it's it feels profane to me. Like yeah, obviously, yeah. there's this whole idea of the Seven Sins and um, sin in general, and the film feels steeped in the occult from the moment it begins with the uh the putting together of john doe's diary and i think oh god the amount of attention to detail the fact they got someone to write all those oh, diaries yeah. absolutely insane i, I it, it, but it feels to me like a film it's it's gross and it's grimy and there's there's something almost evil about seven in a yeah. way and but again i don't want to say too much like i, I think can't really think of any flaws it's just like out of the rest of his filmography i think I mean, I can't connect to this movie at all. Okay. And I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> it's about serial killers. Um, but so Zodiac, and presumably that's going to be higher up. I think I prefer Zodiac because there's a bit of like journalism in it. Okay. So that's why. Obviously, Zodiac is higher up if it's. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but I really love Seven. I think that, that what's in the box scene is just obviously I mean, one you, of the best. It, it's a sensational scene. And of course. And I really like. I, re- I was on Twitter earlier, and I found you know that when Gwyneth Paltrow went as herself yeah. for Halloween one year yeah. <laughs> as her character in the box. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's it's. I think the ending of Seven is really interesting, and mm. it doesn't. Re- it doesn't need. I think he quotes. Um, he has like a quote at the end, doesn't he? He quotes Hemingway. Yeah, and that was added in much to Fincher's dismay. And I don't think it needs it. See, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about okay. it when we get there. But I, I do really like Seven. I think it's fully immersive. It's fully vile. Performance is amazing. Kevin Spacey's great. He is an asshole. Yeah. But he's very good at playing an asshole. 
wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> but um, I think also like because lockdown's depressing enough, the last thing I want to do is watch a really depressing movie. A movie I find quite fair, depressing. Fair enough. So maybe it wouldn't have been higher if it was a different mood, but I really, really like Seven. As I said, we're into five-star territory now, so... Yeah, I'd say we're floating around four or five stars here. <gasps> four? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. Not okay. everything can be a perfect What's your one. number? Five? Number, number five. five. We're in top five now. Yeah, we are in the top five, is Fight Club. Oh, I really like Fight Club. I really like Fight Club, but it's, again, it, ne- it nearly got topped by the game. And Interesting, because I think a lot of people would say that Fight Club's a better movie than the game. I think, I, you know what? I probably, I mean, I think Fight Club's a better movie than the game because I put it higher <laughs> up. But, but you, ne- you know, you said it nearly got topped. It, it by nearly it. did, and there's a couple of reasons. First of all, Fight Club is the Fincher film I've seen the most. Right? Doesn't surprise me because it's Second, uh, maybe out of all of them, his most popular. Probably in terms his, of yeah, like the t- wider audience. Yeah, like in terms of a general audience, it's probably his most popular film. I, I think as well. I part of the reason why I it, it nearly fell for me is I. There's a Fight Club, a little bit like The Dark Knight, is wrapped up in something outside of the film itself, in that people who like Fight Club are often accused of being part of the film bro culture. If you think mm-hmm. that you know Fight Club is deep, then for some reason you're a lesser film fan. And are I we, think are that, we not allowed to think that Fight Club's deep anymore? No, I mean, we, it no. is deep. Film Twitter will film Twitter will shout at you for that. Um, but. That's it. But in the end, I came to my senses and I remembered that I don't actually care what people say. Uh, Fight Club is. is I don't brilliant. understand why it's a complaint to say Fight Club. It is deep. It is deep. It is. It explores it's just, so But much. it's just one of those films that's been analysed to death. Yeah. So everything in it has been exposed and spoken about, and like you know, it's it's very easy when you're first getting into film to find something like Fight Club. Uh, again, I'll talk about this later. It's very easy when you're first talking, when you're first watching Fight Club, to see the symbolism and to see the deeper meaning. Mm. So it's a lot of people's entry into that, and therefore people think it's obvious for some reason. But who cares? Because Fight Club is a great piece of filmmaking. I mean, it plays to all Fincher's strengths. It's dark, it's complex, and it's cerebral. I don't care what people say. It's because he's so good at Fincher's thing is meticulous and his attention to detail. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, you know, like. The, the little flashes you get of um, oh god I'm blanking on the name now uh, Brad Pitt of Brad Pitt of Brad Tyler? Pitt. Tyler Tyler Durden yeah you can tell we've done absolutely copious research for this podcast <laughs> Tyler Durden you know ahead of <laughs> it's because our brains are gone uh, Tyler Durden before you actually appears in the film it's it's just a it's just a as I say it's just a brilliant film uh, a fantastic cast Edward Norton uh, Brad Pitt uh, Helen Bonham Carter like there's so much to enjoy in this and Regardless of the fact that everyone knows the twist now, if you've not seen it, the twist is, oh my god! <laughs> everyone listening to this podcast would have seen Fight Club. So yeah, everyone knows. But I think if you go in knowing a twist, I feel like you're still going to have a ride. And again, I agree, and it's part of the reason why I put this higher than the game, because I think that knowing the twist of the game weakens it a little That's bit. why I do really want to watch the game again, to see... If, if, if it's there, if the queen's yeah, there. Whereas yeah. I think that you you get Fight Club's brilliant because it gets you on the way up and the way down. You have to watch it again to and, and piece I'm, it together. I'm in the middle as well. And in the middle as well, yeah. Uh, my number five is Zodiac. Oh, okay. I love Zodiac. Zodiac's one of those films where I didn't know the Zodiac Killer was a thing <laughs> because I think it's not really like to, I'm not into serial killers. Yeah. Okay, that sounds weird. <laughs> no, no, you're not into so I don't watch the, like the Netflix 
documentaries. The true or... crime genre is not your thing. No. No, I don't know why. but Which is weird, because I really like Finch, and he bloody loves true crime. But um, So I wasn't aware that Zodiac Killer was a thing. And Zodiac's one of those films where I watched it, was so fascinated by it, I then went and did loads of reading about the Zodiac Killer mm. after, which I think is a sign of a good movie. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, there's something about Zodiac. There's just some... It's just a, like a re- it's just chilling. Yeah, it is. I mean, the one thing I'd say about it that it does really, really well is that they, it doesn't romanticise the idea of serial killers in the way that Seven does. Seven no. elevates John I think Depp. I prefer Zodiac to Seven as well because it's just a bit less grim. Yeah, I mean, I mean it is it's grim. All, it, yeah, I mean, in theory, I, it's I, more grim because it's real life. But Yeah, but yes. I don't see it. Yeah. Well, yeah but I'm, the fact I don't... I mean, you see a bit of it, but the fact I don't see the deaths as much like makes me more interested i think and again it's what you said like finch does obsession very well and i just love jake gyllenhaal as that character his name i can't remember because imdb is not up in front of me <laughs> you know but i just love the way that he becomes obsessed with all the performances are very good i think the again i'll talk about it later when i talk about zodiac because i i do rate zodiac a lot um like you say it's about the, the idea of obsession and what obsession can do to you and you know <laughs> This is a really pretentious thing to work, things to say, but Zodiac had more victims than those he killed, I think is what this film is saying. There are people yeah. who became obsessed by him and lost their lives in other ways yeah. than, um, than being killed. The thing with Zodiac, I find, is there's a lot of great thrillers out there which are based on true crime, which have great ensemble casts, are thrilling, and literally are just very, very solid movies. And Zodiac is one of them, but there's just something, there's just a spark to it. I th- Which I think elevates it compared to the rest of his movies. Zodiac, to me, is again. It's there's a sense of dread surrounding Zodiac because that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like every moment, there's just even the 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 nicer moments where he's on a date with Chloe Savini, her character. You know, there's still like some sort of like something overhanging, ominous. Yeah, yeah, there's something hanging over them all, like throughout, and that's. What, what I think Fincher really knows, and also great use of music, like Hurdy Gurdy Man. Every time I hear that now, it's just like that that end scene. Hurdy Gurdy Hurdy Gurdy Man is in my notes because yeah, so creepy. Yeah, John Cowell Lynch as um as who we think the Zodiac Killer is as maybe the Zodiac Killer, <laughs> which I'll get. Yeah, I, I will talk about that when I speak. About but he Hurdy. is like creepy. Oh. Like, in a way, I find him creepier than Kevin Spacey in Seven. Because again, it's real. John Doe is. It's not because I think it's not just because it's real. It's because maybe it's because it's real. Because, because you said John Doe is such a fictionalized like. John Doe is a supervillain, whereas yeah. the Zodiac happened. But it's just a deadness to John Cowell Lynch's eyes. Any man who keeps squirrels <laughs> locked in his caravan isn't to be trusted. Yeah, but I just like the way it builds the mystery. Yeah. it is a classic. Well, it's... trying to solve a mystery, obsessing. And I, I love films which sort of combine silver mysteries and journalism as well. Yeah, I mean, any film about journalism, I'm all over it. Spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Spotlight. All the presidents, oh. man. All over it. So I just, yeah, Zodiac's a great movie. As I said, you'd think it's just a standard, like, great thriller, but there is just something. It has something, something special about special it. Something special to it, yeah. What's your number four? My number four, and this one surprised me when okay. I was ranking them, is The Girl with the Dragon uh, Tattoo. That's what's in my number four. Cause I so ju- maybe we should talk about it together. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, I think it's a real... I like, I like psychological crime thrillers, but I just think it's a really, really solid example of how compelling the genre can be. It's- I think Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is much like Zodiac in the sense that great ensemble cast, great story, 
excellently told and people would be like that's a good thriller but actually again i think there's just something more to it that makes it great and i think it is better than zodiac I don't think it's better than Zodiac for obvious reasons. I, I just, I just again. You say for obvious reasons. I mean, it's because it's just ranked higher. Because it's ranked higher. <laughs> uh, I just think that, I, that it is again, a super solid, great mystery, fantastic cast, like you said. Mara's, Mara, uh, Mara, Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara's performance so is, it, it is what makes this film because it would be so easy to do Lisbeth. As is it Lisbeth or Lisbeth? Lisbeth, I think. Lisbeth. Well, that's how it's spelled with a H. It would be so easy to do Lisbeth as like this hard ass goth, you know, uh, like mm. nothing, nothing phases her. Which to an extent she she's, is. She's got a she, very sensitive side. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's what me and um, I had Amy West on for this podcast, who's a big Girl Twenty Two fan, and what we said is, for me, the scene is when Daniel Craig comes in, Miko Bontvis, and he says, "I want you to help me catch a killer of women." because she's you know had violence against her mm. both in the film that we see but also like the novel the later novels explore more about yeah. her, her past but and she, she just clicks and she does want to just help track down this killer of women yeah i mean it's a really because that, that's the sensitive side to her i know obviously it's violence because <laughs> she just get a bit violent it but is so violent it's i mean it's a chilling film and i think stellan skarsgård's villain mm. is I could say that, right? That he's the villain. Oh, yeah. I, I, most people... Stellan Skarsgård's villain is absolutely terrifying. That scene when they play Enya... Yeah, when he... ...lives fl- in my memory. Not, not in a good way. switched. Like, the idea, you know, he's, like, really friendly and quite amiable, and then all of a sudden he's a psycho killer who's been abused mm. by his father, and he's going to kill... And he's keeping he's on He's continuing the tradition, yeah. Yeah, that cycle of violence. Again, I, I just really, really like it. It's... It, I mean, it is... And again, and we've spoken about this, the idea, like, all these films now are pitch black in their tone, and why you want to watch them during lockdown, but I again, don't know. like, Mika and Lisbeth, like, their relationship's really nice. Yeah, it is. Warming. There's a cat in it. <laughs> There's a cat, but the cat dies. <laughs> no, but I like, like, that, I don't like that bit, but I like Bonfist's relationship with the cat before. The... Yeah, he I... takes the cat in. Like, there's a sort of there's a warmth. To, that's why I really like Young Hunter too, and that's why it sort of stands apart to me compared to Zodiac because I think there's just a these characters like Mika and Elizabeth. There's just there's so much more three dimensional. Yeah, it's three dimensional, and there's just a warmth to it which I'm like, I'd rather watch that. Zodiac definitely lacks warmth. It's a colder film because. But Girl Hunter too, I would say, is really cold. Like it's bloody snowing all the time. Like the whole it's everything a... about it is cold, but. I don't know, there's just something more to it. I also would say I rank it higher than Zodiac because I think I've read the book, I've seen the original Swedish films, I'm more invested in that world. Fair enough. I, again... Because Lisbeth is cool. Lisbeth is cool. <laughs> it is strange watching it now, though, after we've had Knives Out, because... What do you mean, after be- Knives Out? Oh, because... Because uh, Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig and Christopher Plummer are both in it. Yes. And when they're together, all I can think of is, oh, is this, is this how... Uh, what was his face from Knives Out met uh, LeBlanc so my chair is just creaking that's very uh, golden tattoo-y um, I just think it's just it's just a really good film I love I love, I got a real soft spot for golden tattoo yeah and I as we'll find well we are seeing I really like Finch's female led movies okay I think he does female characters very well which is why I'm so disappointed I think as well in Mank in terms okay. of the it's Amanda Seyfried aside 
the portrayal of women. You should read the books, by the way. Yeah, I should. They're Have you seen the Swedish films? No, I've not seen the Swedish you films. You should watch you, We've Swedish. been through this many times. Yeah, because I'd be interested to see your reaction to the Swedish movie compared to... They say the Hollywood yeah, I, one, but I, I wish, one. I really I, wish I we really... got to see the rest of this trilogy, yeah. to be completely honest. Although, in a world where we get the rest of the trilogy... We've got to go on the Spider's Web instead. Ugh. Less about that, the better. Not a good one. Like, like, looking at the cast list, though, if we're going to see, like, Fincher cast this movie as well. Yeah, I mean, immaculately, I'd say. Like, Robin Wright's, like, Erica in it. Like, of course, yeah. also does our thing of, like, journalism and, and thriller, because yeah. obviously Nico is a journalist and... Just, they're just good genres, aren't they? They don't go well together. Uh, we're in top three territory. We are in the top three. Okay, number three. What's your number three? My number three is Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Okay. So, this Which obviously is coming for me. Yeah, I, 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 I think it'll be your, your, either your first or your second. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so this one, Gone Girl's a weird one for me because... It took me by surprise. I was going through. I'd heard the re, I'd heard the rave reviews. Mm. Everyone was like, "Oh, you got to see Gone Girl. Gone Girl's fantastic." And I was going through a bit of a hipster phase where liking things that other people liked wasn't what I wasn't my thing. So I refused to get excited. Is that when because you were like a teenage boy? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so I refused to get excited for Gone Girl. And eventually, when I did see it, I was absolutely blown away. I mean, I could not have been more wrong about this film. It's. I, I mean, it plays to all of Fincher's strengths. It's got murder, betrayal, lies. It's It's got the direction, the screenplay. Everything about it is near perfect. And that twist halfway through is such oh, yeah. a gut punch. When, when it you, cuts to her in the car Yeah, when driving. you find out she's still alive and he's, he's been set up, it never gets old. And I think, unlike uh, Fight Club and The Game, which both have twists in them as well, I think that's one twist that can it never gets old. I just love it. That reveal, the pull out of her driving in the car and you find out that it's all been faked. Yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I could wax lyrical about it all day, but I'm guessing you have stuff to say as well. About Gone Girl? Yeah. Me and Clues talked a lot about Gone Girl. And then it went into a lot of cat talk. Yeah, you just spoke about cat talk. <laughs> so, so Gone Girl for me is number one or two. Um, as you predicted as said I do like Finch's female led stories and also like I think I read the book last year didn't I and then we re- I read the book last year Gone and Girl. then we rewatched it Gone in Girls. first lockdown then we rewatched it in second lockdown for anyways Gone Girl, we're not, we'll move on from Gone Girl okay. and you can save what you're going to say for later because my number three is Fight Club oh okay I, I mean it makes total sense I love Fight Club I know you do I mean you are probably a bigger Fight Club fan than I am I just am. think it's just so interesting <laughs> it is interesting. It's just, again, Fight Club for me. Sorry, I just interrupted you. No, it's fine. Fight Club for me is the perfect Fincher movie. I say that. Well, <laughs> no, it's not. Obviously, it's not because there's two more. But it, the top three for me are very much like any day they could be number one. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it depends on what mood I'm in. But when I say perfect Fincher movie, I mean in the sense that it's just an entertaining popcorn movie mm-hmm. that I can just sit down on Friday night and I'm just going to have a great time and won't look at my phone during it and won't be distracted because it's just it's thrilling but there's so much more to it yeah it's incredibly complex I know as we said earlier it's been talked about to death but I think I don't know like I still find stuff to read about online about its issues of it's sorry it's issues its analysis of consumerism and capitalism and you know I think and like its portrayal of women with Helena Bonham, Helena Bonham Carter's character. Like, there's still so much stuff to read out there. But I could literally spend the rest of my life just reading about Fight Club. Maybe it's just there's so much to it. There's so many layers. It's like Shrek. <laughs> it's 
like, no, it's like Donkey. Donkey. Wait, no. No, no Shrek. Shrek. Yeah. 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 Ogres have layers. I just... And Brad Pitt in it. I understand. Edward Norton's fantastic mm-hmm. as Vin the narrator. And he's very good at this sort of... Is it dross is the word? Is dross. That, not dross. No, dross means bad. No. What's that? When he's just... The way he talks, it's so monotone. Oh, yeah, just monotone. He's just very monotone and like, and and then Brad Pitt comes on and he's all very extravagant. So I understand that I, Edward Norton's fantastic, but I feel like because Brad Pitt, it is Brad Pitt's show. Yeah, I mean, it is. like, But he does have the more, I know obviously they're the same character, but <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I agree completely. Like, It's more compelling when Brad Pitt, because... He is the one who's making the things happen, mm. even though it's Edward Norton who's making the things yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but he... Brad Pitt is the the sherrier side of, of um, yeah. the narrator. Also, I really like characters that don't have names. Yes, you do because you love Tanner and the, <laughs> the protagonist. I nearly called him the narrator, but the protagonist. The yeah. protagonist. And um, my favorite fact club, which is why I love it so much, is I, even now I know where it's going. I'm still excited about where it's going. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Because I... it still takes me by surprise even though I do know where it's going. If I have an issue with Fight really Club, chaos. and this might be a controversial thing to say, oh, no. I don't really like the ending that much. Like, what? I'm a fan of, like obviously, um, Project Anarchy or whatever. Yeah. The, uh, when he Project just, Mayhem. Project Mayhem, when they destroy all the buildings and we see, you know, like they're in the skyscraper and they watch it happen. I find it very convenient that Edward Norton manages to shoot himself in the head and not die. But he, did, he didn't want to die. No, I know he didn't want to die, but that's not... I mean, he wanted to try and kill Tyler and not die. Yes. So so shooting himself in the head kills Tyler, but not himself. It's, it's ever so slightly convenient. I'm not that fussed because Fight Club presents this hyper-realistic <laughs> world of where, you know, a woman can attend... Uh, it's like a male. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's, there's very there's weird stuff going on within Fight Club itself. But again, I'm, I'm not. I don't think it entirely sticks the landing. It's slightly convenient that Tyler is defeated by no, him shooting dis- his head. I, I disagree. I just think I don't. I just think it's genius. And I said like I'm, I'd rewatch it any day because it's just so much fun. Okay. And it gives me so much to think about. And I said, there's still, there's loads of, I mean, we can talk all day about Edward Norton and Brad Pitt, but like, Helena Benham Carter, Marla Singer, she's a really interesting character. Meatloaf's great in it. But do you not just think it's, it's a bit of hard work, isn't it? Like, it's not, a, it's a, you say it's, it's a, it's not a popcorn film. It's not something it you see. Maybe it's because I've seen it a lot. Maybe, yeah. It's one of those movies which I watched in university and just haven't, like, stopped watching since. And um, I thought that, I, like, 19 year old Emily was but do you not watching think Fight Club. But do you yeah, not think it's sweet. interesting that we've watched Gone Girl twice this year? Sorry, last year. But we've not watched Fight Club no, since we saw it. haven't seen Gone Girl for ages. But, but we have. We've seen it twice. No, we watched Gone Girl because um, I read the book. And every, then we watched Gone Girl for this podcast. Every time we are looking for a film to watch, Gone Girl comes up as a film. Should well, we watch Tom, Gone Girl? clearly Gone Girl is higher than Fight Club on my list. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, I still think Fight Club's great. Bit. It's interesting because I don't want to read the book. Because I feel that Fight Club very much isn't smug and snarky in an annoying way, mm. if that makes sense. But I feel that the book might be. I haven't but read the book. I don't want book. it to put me off. I Fight have Club. read some of the sequel graphic novels, which give a Fight Club <laughs> 2, which are shite. Oh, and they give the narrator a name. They give the Why? narrator a name and they bring back Tyler Durden. Because Helen Bonham Carter stops the narrator from taking his medication to bring back Tyler and it's just pants. It's shy. It's pure shy. Yeah, no, they shouldn't. 
Um, no, but I love Fight Club. And also, I really want to dress like Brad Pitt in that movie one day. Well, I'll get you a leather jacket for your <laughs> yeah, birthday. I just think he looks really cool. What, we're in top two. So what's left on your list in terms of be- what could it be It be could between? either be Zodiac or Seven. I think your two Seven is your number one. Well, my number two is Zodiac. Ah, uh, so I was right. You are right. Um... <laughs> I like Zodiac because, I mean, I'm a sucker for true crime, unlike yourself. I mm. find the Zodiac, I was aware of the Zodiac case ahead. Well, you do listen to true crime podcasts and it really annoys me. No, it's, I have an interest in the macabre, I think, is a, is a polite way of putting it. So I, I'm, I've been fa- I'm, I like reading about serial killers. I find all that stuff really interesting. But the, I mean, they are interesting. They are interesting. It's just, like, I'd rather read about other stuff. So... I really like Zodiac because it's so. Com- I find it really, really compelling. Like you said, there's a great ensemble cast. I remember the first time I saw it, and I was like, "Wow, this is such an interesting way of doing this because it's not presented through that one character and we're yeah, following them. It's yeah. three different characters. Like Roy and Jean just sort of drifts off at the end. Yeah, exactly. Just... And you know, because um, he's done. Yeah, I mean the the three MCU bros dreaming it out of this story. They are science bros, but they're not because Mysterio is not. He, do you know, Mysterio could be an honorary science bro he member. Could be. It's just that he's evil. Um, but as, but again, um, it's more than that. I find the idea of the Zodiac killer fascinating, and I love the way Fincher presents him in this film. So it was done in a number of different ways. So he used witness testimony and mm. the, the he's the, like. I think his approach was that me and Frida talked about that a lot in the podcast. So, from my memory, was if if it wasn't documented with evidence, he doesn't include it in the movie, yes. which is so he's literally like a police detective. Yes, uh, but what I loved is he took those witness before uh, witness accounts and he translated them perfectly on mm. screen, and so it was different actors playing the the, the zodiac, uh, the zodiac each time to represent whoever said whoever was narrating, and. It's just fascinating because it's not romantic. It's not romanticizing the idea of who the Zodiac was. It's a very clinical, cold, dispassionate way of presenting mm. it. And I love stories of that. And of um, Robert Grayson's obsession with Yeah, him. exactly. That's... It practically ruins him and his family. And It does ruin his it's life. It's not good. Yeah, it's not good. And the idea that obsession, and it's something that ties into um, my favorite, Seven, as we've said, and mm. also one of my least favorite, The Social Network. There's this running theme throughout uh, Fincher's work that obsession is something that ruins lives. Yeah, I just I, it's it's a film I never tire of watching, and I've seen it so many times. In fact, we've watched Zodiac twice during lockdown as well. Mm, we uh, do like Zodiac because it's so good. And I, again, I don't think it. I don't think it's as good as Seven because I think that the ending, and this is no fault of Fincher's. It isn't. It's an unsolved mystery. Yeah, it's an unsolved mystery. So there's only so much you can do, and its ending is essentially it could have been this guy. But it's, it, do you not think it's interesting how compelling it is, considering? We, yes. Going in, I didn't know, but going in because I'm obviously just didn't know Zodiac was, but going in, most people would know it's unsolved. Yeah. I, so it's interesting how compelling it is because of that. Exactly, and I think that the film definitely wants you to believe that it's that it's the uh, what's the actor's name. Uh, the characters are Lee Allen and for the life of me can't really act his name even though I just okay, said John Carroll Lynch John Carroll Lynch the we'll film, go with that the, the film definitely wants you to believe this John Carroll Lynch yeah basically they ask him are you, are you the Zodiac killer and don't they just say like doesn't he just reply saying well answer that question yeah basically but <laughs> oh no even if I was I wouldn't tell you yeah exactly but the issue <laughs> if you look into the true the true case 
Arthur the Allen. It might not be the Zodiac, but again, that's that's that's. No, but they do plant that doubt a lot. Yeah, yeah. That, with that, the handwriting and stuff, and obviously does that awful. I say awful. And I say awful. I mean, it fills me with such tension when he goes into the basement of that. Yeah, there are mo- many, weird movie poster. There aren't guy. many basements in LA, but they know the Zodiac killer's got a basement, and then that guy says. Do you want to come down to my basement? Why would you go down? I, I Children in Hall. I wouldn't. No. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't really think I can say much more about the Zodiac, because I'm just going to keep on saying how much Do I Do you know what's interesting as well? You know how we said obs- Obsession ruins lives, but obviously like, it's based on Robert Grayson's life, and he did dedicate and, it, and it's made him a lot of money. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Literally, okay, obsession the, in films ruin lives. In real life, it makes you a lot of money. Because in the but the film, which is about how obsession ruined his life, actually ends up making him loads of money. Yeah. Also, I do want to say that the Hurdy Gurdy Man is it is one of the scariest songs no, out there. That's that's why I said that uh, Zodiac gets extra points for the Hurdy her, Gurdy Man. Very, I must admit, throughout all Finch's movies excellent use of music I'd agree with that um, like Seven I think there's the music in Seven is just really the music in Seven is bizarre and it's it's just really discordant and like jarring yeah, yeah. and horrible but it's brilliant because of so it so what do you think my, I've got left um, Gone Girl and Social Network so I think you put Gone Girl at two and Social Network at one I did so Gone Girl for me is number two um, I am obsessed with Gone Girl I mean I know yeah <laughs> Um, I don't know. I just think it's pitch perfect, and as I no pitch perfect is about singing, <laughs> this, which is also a great movie, but um, not on Gone Girl level. <laughs> as you said, I think I went to Gone Girl not expecting much, and then I was just blown away. And it, the the thing with Gone Girl that really makes it stand out is that the bit when it suddenly cuts to her in the car, and I think the quote is, "I'm so much happier now that I'm dead." Yes, and it's like shit. <laughs> yeah, when the narrative shifts. The film goes up a gear. It's been interesting enough until yeah, that point. Yeah, but that really elevates it. Yeah. Um, and also, like, it's what we were saying earlier about these, like, it's interesting because the main two characters in Gone Girl, Nick and Amy, are awful people. Yes. And it's what we were saying earlier about do we enjoy watching bad people on screen? In the case of Gone Girl, yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're just so... I want to know more about them because they're so horrible they're so complex, they're so interested, and I'm so drawn to them. I'm like, why? I, it's what makes, why? what makes Gone Girl interesting is everyone does that thing when they're first in a relationship of presenting their best version of themselves. Mm. And Gone Girl really is an examination of what happens if you never let the other person know what an asshole you really are. And it ends with them because they're, they're, they're so wrapped up in trying to be the person the other one wants yeah. them to be, they end up destroying each other. It's it yeah. is it is the fascinating. Whole, the, one of the main themes is the cool girl, the cool yeah. girl theme, and Amy done in her head, you know, cool girl, um, and I think that her monologue about cool girl is like one of the best scenes of modern cinema. But another thing about Gone Girl that I like is the extra cast members. I say extra cast members, the supporting cast. Neil Patrick Harris, he gets brutally murdered in one of the best scenes of the film. I find he's so chilling. I find all the Neil Patrick Harris Patrick Harris stuff really really disturbing the mm. when amy fakes being he literally like is keeping her locked up as a prisoner oh yeah but when she fakes being raped because she's setting up her excuse for why she murdered him yeah. and making it seem like it's chilling because like you said you're led to believe that this guy is the psychopath you know like oh he's keeping her locked oh, up in the but house we know amy is a psychopath yeah but, no, but, but he we, is still a psychopath but we then realize how far amy's willing to go to escape this and it's just terrifying yeah. like 
that and of course the ending where when it turns out that she's pregnant because she effectively stole his sperm that's mm-hmm. just like oh my god i love god. the end of that they're just both trapped in this hellscape yep nowhere to go also a great cat also a great cat and um, but what i was saying about the supporting cast like tyler perry is tanner bolt oh god you're yeah. accused of killing your wife Hiya, Tanner Bolt. <laughs> He's just so good in it. He is surprisingly good in it. Um, and Carrie Coon as Margot. Margot's one of my favourite characters Isn't, in the film. Remind me, Margot's the, the sister. sister. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But as a Gone Girl, I really didn't know where it was going. And when it changes the narrative, I literally was like, oh shit. And I'm just compelled by their relationship. Yeah, it is. And how <laughs> messed up it is. Yeah, it is. It is fucked up, but compels me though. <laughs> what is that? What's the? Uh, it's the Daniel Craig meme. It's the but, Daniel um, Craig meme. I don't uh, understand it. I don't understand it. Compels it. me. Compels me though. I mean, I do understand it in a sense, but I understand the characters because Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck. Rosamund Pike's best performance. I had, yeah, I agree. And I'm very excited because her like she does cold woman very well, and she's in this. It's Netflix in America. It's Amazon here. I care a lot, which is oh yeah, and the and she. She's doing Amy She's doing again. Blonde Bob, Cold Girl. Right, okay. See, she's not a cool girl. She's Cold Girl. Okay. But, um, and Ben Affleck, who, um, very hit and miss, I think, as an actor. I, I really rate him as an actor. I just wish he picked his projects better. That's, yeah, okay, yeah. Because he's in a lot of shit. He makes a lot of shite. Um, but I think he's fantastic as Nick. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think it's just pitch perfect. He plays a dumb idiot who doesn't know how much trouble he's in fantastically well. <laughs> But you should be the book. I mean, I read it last year, so we do own it. It is on the shelf. If we ever manage to go on holiday again, I will read it. On the I think. I think. Do you know? What? I think that was my thing with Gone Girl. Is when the book came out, it was the one which everyone was reading. It was on a holiday. big holiday read, yeah. And then my natural instinct with holiday reads, which is very snobby of me, is to think they're probably like a bit trashy novels, which is I know that's really Pulpy. snobby. Yeah, Pulpy, yeah. Which, is, which is fine. I read a lot of them, but. Um, I mean, it is. So I don't think I expected it to be, like, as complex as the film is, if you know yeah, what I yeah. mean. And as the book is. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, not having read the book. Having not read the book. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Gone Girl is number two. What's your number one, Ben? Well, so, it's seven. So my number one is seven. And it's my number one for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, it is the... I love psychological thrillers. Um, I just think it's a really, really interesting concept. The mm. idea of a serial killer who's going through the seven deadly sins fascinating and it's such a tight script it doesn't feel it doesn't outstay it's welcome it's very you know it's compelling but it's gone in a flash basically but the reason i really really like it is because as men as i mentioned before i'm a big fan of the macabre i like spooky shenanigans um the the occult things like that really really interest me um i find john doe a fascinating character it's a shame it's played by kevin spacey you know, uh, do you, are you part of rewatching it because of Kevin Spacey? I was until we rewatched it for this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't choose to watch, rewatch a Kevin Spacey. I'm unlikely, sorry, to choose to watch a Kevin Spacey film, but it does kind of work for this film because you've now he's so John Doe is so vile, and Kevin Spacey's mm-hmm. of course a vile man. And again, I think another reason why I like this is because this is the first Fincher film I ever saw. Um, you went in. With a yeah, deep dark shit. I, I remember <laughs> sitting down with some friends to watch this, and it's one of those films that it was. It, like, there are a few, you know, a few film experiences that stay with you, and this is one of those films I watched, 
and I was obsessed with it. Did you not expect it to be? No, no, not at all. I knew it was, and we just knew it as this serial killer movie that was fucked up. Like, (laughs) but it, it is fucked up, but there's more to it than that. And it's one of the first films that I ever went, you know, a level English on when you started mm. to look at the themes and that look at that's the, me with a uh, fight club yeah look beyond the surface with it so I have yeah. a lot of attachment to it beyond that what a cast Pitt Freeman Paltrow and Spacey I know it's I know I know he is an asshole but he gives he does give a good performance he, he, when he walks into that police station with his bloody fingers and he's mm. just like I think you're looking for me detective I mean pff, chills I know obviously you know you've you've spoken about. When we, when we watch Seven, I can't help but talk about Seven, like and theories I have on because the cities are named. Oh uh, yeah, so I brought made. your theory in the podcast with Amon. That they are trapped in purgatory. He really likes it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that theory that they are trapped in purgatory. Um, but that that's one of the best things about Seven is it, there's no particular place or time. No, no, it's again it's weird. like we like I was pointing like I was doing that uh, La La Land meme of pointing everything out to you while you were just La trying La to La Land Have you not seen the La La Land meme when it's oh, uh, Ryan it's Gosling and Emma Stone is, yeah, and trying She's to watch like the film, explaining the film. But like the you She's know trying like, to watch music performance. The anachronistic technology, sometimes there's computers, sometimes there's not people using typewriters. This like, what we always say about Finches to get that attention to detail, and it really works for a film like Seven. Well, yeah, I agreed, and like I, I do just really enjoy it. And it's interesting that you said that Fincher doesn't like the Hemingway quote at the end. He didn't want it because so he, so the, the shorts, the too long don't read version of this story is that um, the what's in the box scene was included by accident because it's in the original script. And then the studio didn't like it, so they took it out. But then it went to the cast by accident. Or did no went to Finch by accident? He was like, "I'm not doing it unless it's unless there's scenes in it." And so they got the scene in it, but as a compromise, they had to end it on a happier note. See, that's interesting. I didn't know that. He just wanted it to fade to black I after the what's in the box a, scene. There was an alternate version where Morgan Freeman they didn't shot, shoot this. No, they though. didn't shoot it. It was only scripted. Where Morgan Freeman shot John Doe and saved. You, can't, you couldn't have that because the idea is that John Doe has perfectly planned his like he yeah. has thought about this. For a long time. Yeah, and he knows... And, and it, which sin applies to which person. And Brad Pitt is wrath. But I do like that the Hemingway so quote because it's it is, it's just perfect for that film. The world is a fine place and worth fighting for. Mm. And then I agree with the second part. So it's Morgan Freeman says the world is a fucked up, messed up place. But it is a place that could be better. And the idea of hope and optimism survive at the end. So despite the fact that John Doe has won, he so has like the hopeful note. Yeah, I do. And it hasn't... It, it, it's cynical in that, yeah, the world is a fucked up place, <laughs> but there are people out there who are trying to make it better. Mm. And as long as there are, people like John Doe will never really win. He doesn't retire at the end, does he? No, he, he doesn't. Because no. he was going to retire. Yeah. Morgan Freeman is tired in that movie. Yeah, I mean... Morgan Freeman in that movie gives me opportunity vibes and insomnia. Yeah, you know, when just, just really very, tired. very weary, like can't get to sleep type thing with the trains going by as well. Yeah. That's absolutely a good point. There's a lot of can't sleep in, in Seven. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, again, I, I, I like it a lot. There's so much to enjoy in it. But again, my, my big points on it are incredibly tight script, wonderful cast, first venture film I saw. And again, like I said before, that occult feel, it feels like you're watching something profane, mm. something you shouldn't be watching. It's... I don't, want to, I don't want to go so far as to say it feels like a snuff film, but there are elements, especially at the beginning, with the stitching together of like the diary. like Fight Club in a way. Oh, yeah, a little like Fight Club. I, yeah, and 
the best way I can describe it is, and I know you don't watch it, but the opening sequence to American Horror Story oh, no, is really, really creepy. And it feels like I'm watching a full-length version of that opening sequence <laughs> of American Horror Story. So, yeah, that is my number one. So yours... It's a good number one. Mine's obviously The Social Network. I... And you disagree. <laughs> I mean, I really disagree. I... Again, I know what makes it a good film, but I don't know how you can sit with that smug bastard for two and a half hours. He's a genius. Or is he a manipulative dick who stole the idea from other people? Well, this is what I mean. You could argue about Social Network all day, but I think also reading the book it's based on, have you read that? I read it last year. It shows how much 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 I pay attention. Um, is I feel like that's added another layer to it, but I just I must admit that like I really like Aaron Sorkin scripts mm. in general. You'll know that Molly's Games one of my favorite films of recent years, yep. which he wrote and directed. So the script works for me. I think Fincher's direction is perfect. I think it is Jesse Eisenberg's best performance, and he should have won the Oscar. I don't know. There's just I am fascinated by Social Network. Maybe I am too harsh on it because you are supposed to dislike. Support they're, all, they're, all, bad, they're all bad people. I just I don't enjoy. I just spending really, time in that see, world. I, I don't enjoy spending time in that world, but I'm compelled by that world. It's like being in a dirty bath. <laughs> a dirty bath. A dirty bath. <laughs> I was being social. I was watching a social network because it would be it's unpleasant bath. sitting in a dirty bath. <laughs> um, so what I what makes social network number one for me is every time I watch it, something about it strikes me like I what's the word strikes me differently. If that makes sense, like. I, and each watch, I come out of it with a different thing that I think about it, mm. like a different focus. Like recently, is what I spoke about in the podcast is very much it's a film about loneliness. I don't know if it's just because I'm lonely. See, you're lonely. We live together. <laughs> See, we're all. No, but we're all a bit lonelier because of being in lockdown. So I don't know if that's. But that's what I mean. Like sometimes I watch it and I'm like, it's about betrayal. Sometimes I watch them like it's about friendship. Sometimes I watch them like it's about loneliness. Sometimes. I watch it. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's about all those things. No, I agree. But but sometimes one aspect hits harder for me in each watch, and that's why I find it incredibly rewarding. And also, I think, like recently, I celebrated its tenth tenth university, tenth anniversary, tenth anniversary last year. And I feel that like the way that Facebook has evolved since the film's been made also adds a new layer to it. Obviously, that's nothing that Fincher did. Mm. But I feel that like it does add more layers. See, just to zoom out though, like, do you not think that basically all Fincher's films are about loneliness? Like, yeah, uh, Morgan Freeman is lonely in Seven. In Zodiac, we have. I mean, Amy's quite lonely in it because she's lonely because yeah. they move location in fight... to look after his mum, and she doesn't really have any friends. In That's fight... a massive theme in Gone Girl. She has no friends. In Fight, Club... I mean, who would want to be friends with Amy Dunn? She's a fucking psycho. I mean, no one. <laughs> in Fight Club, we see the narrator's life in his IKEA furnished apartment. It's just like very lonely. He travels a lot. In the game, Michael Douglas lives alone. Joey Jenks is too. They're both quite lonely. I know he's shagging Erica, but but uh, the Social Network. I mean, you've already hit on it. Mark's lonely. Curious Case of Benjamin Button's all about love and trying to find love. An Alien He's 3 lonely. is all about... I mean, what? that one doesn't fit in at all. But yeah, I... I mean, you could say they're all quite lonely in space by themselves in this prison. Yeah, prison I mean... Planet. I just... 
Again, I don't think that my, I don't think the Social Network is a bad film. I'm, no, I, I know I, the reason I'm wrong. why the reason why it's my favorite in terms of all of Fincher's films is because I said I find it the most rewarding because I get something new from it in every single watch, and to me that's just fantastic. Everything about it is pitch perfect, and I do get what you're saying in terms of like Mark Zuckerberg is a prick, but also I just I just find it such a fascinating world to be part of. Maybe because I'm so I'm never going to be part of that world. Yeah, that's why I find it interesting, and it is obviously based on real people. But I don't know, there's just something would, so intriguing about it. I, I'm, I'm sure you spoke about this on the Social Network episode, but would you like to see? No. That? See, I would. No, me and Cameron spoke about it. Um, no, because I don't think it needs one. And also, there's been so many documentaries about social media today. They like it's sort of been covered. I don't think you could because the social network is obviously based on true events, but also is fictionalized. I don't think you could do that about the past couple of years with the Cambridge Analytica scandal, etc. About about Facebook, okay. I think it'd be too documentary like, and we already have those documentaries. Okay, I think that's fair enough. Like the Great Hack, which, which is, is a great documentary. Film? So, but yeah, I just think every aspect of social network is perfect, and I think it is one of the finest films of the past decade in terms of also defining what the past decade's been about. But yeah, I just like being... I don't like being part of that world. I'm compelled by that world. Okay. I do get your issue in terms of he's an awful person. It's all about bad people. But I don't know. I'm just fascinated by them. I mean, I'm not going to shit all over the, the, your favourite... it's favorite a sad film. I just... I don't feel sad for Mark Zuckerberg. No, I don't feel sorry for him at all, but there's just a melancholy towards it. And that really echoes in Trent Reznor and Atkins Ross's new soundtrack and there's also an excitement to it i just think there's so much to it that's why it's my favorite i get something new from it every time maybe i'll revisit it next year. no because you'll just get up, me upset because you won't like it again <laughs> fair enough um i did ask people on twitter listeners to contribute their um their favorite fincher films and it's interesting because i picked two to read out which are different to our favorites because i would say what was your favorite your seven i would say like a lot of people would agree with me that Social Network's his best movie. Less people would agree with you, but I think some people would still say Seven. Yeah, there's there's dozens of us. I mean, I'm on... Who was on the Seven podcast? Because I'm a man of taste. <laughs> a man of taste. Um, so Chris Connors said Zodiac's his favourite. Yeah. Uh, did not feel like two and a half hours was so tense and period accurate as some of the cast's best work. Chills. Yeah. I agree. Actually, some uh, yeah. of the, I think Jake Gyllenhaal has even a lot of movies... But I feel like he's fantastic in this. Mark Ruffalo, again, he's just great. Um, I said we both ranked Zodiac very high. We did. Um, and Eamon Jacobs, he was on the Alien 3 podcast because Alien, I mean, Cause I, someone, someone had to be in. Alien's my friend and um, he got tasked with it. But he's a really big, I say a big fan. We both quite like Alien 3. He said it is difficult to choose this one. Which yeah. was, but he went for Gold Junker too. Okay. Uh, that's that's really interesting because I would never, and I don't. I know. Uh, in fact, it's funny because I was going to say uh, choosing an adaptation seems strange, but then I suppose Gone Girl and The Social Network are both adaptations. Yeah, of all I mean, books. I love. It's really interesting actually that Cameron didn't know that um, Social Network is based on the book. Yeah, that is very interesting. <laughs> and it's his like favorite. Film. It, uh, choosing a remake as your favorite seems. It's odd. not, a, but no, it's not a remake. Okay, it's not a remake of the Swedish well, film. Not a remake. It is it's a remake. A, no, it's not a remake. It's okay. an adaptation of a book. Okay, which just so happened to be have been adapted before. Was there another f- 
There was another film. But it's not a remake okay. of a film, is it? If it's okay. a new adaptation of a book. I feel the splitting hairs. <laughs> Anyways, but he said, it's very impressive, masterfully done in Fincher's style. The cast delicately bring those intricate characters to life and he really likes the score. Also a Reznor Ross score. Yeah, I mean, again, I really, really like Girl Girl Dreams, Dreams, so That opening scene. The, the Bond, like, I say Bond like, I say Bond like because Bond has the really graphic like effort in the opening credits but no no people don't put enough effort into their opening credits anymore no i was i normally end the podcast with obviously are you looking forward to mine yes i was <laughs> but then i saw it <laughs> but i thought about our choices but this is the thing you could ask me tomorrow and it's yeah. my number one i feel that my number one would always either be say no at gone girl fight club definitely i would say that seven is always my number one but i feel outside of the bottom three alien Benjamin Button and Social mm. Network that list is always going to be chopping and changing for Fincher me. hasn't made a bad film and that's the main thing Alien and 3 he's is a bad made, film like, if you look at this list of films whilst there's continual themes throughout they are all very different pictures as well yeah yeah I'd agree you look at Benjamin Button compared to like Gone Girl yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because I know that like uh, Fincher's rejected the auteur theory like he, he doesn't believe in it well I mean that's what Manks about, but I, I, filmmaking is a collaborative experience. But he does feel like sometimes too collaborative in the case of Alien Three. His, yeah. <laughs> his best films for me are the ones that are. Mo- you mean when he's given more free reign to no, do what he wants? I, yeah, because he he's clearly a person who's very much about moral ambiguity and you know cynicism <laughs> and all that that type of stuff. And I like his films more when they lean into those things because it's clear that he's very comfortable with them and he likes making films about them. Mm. I think when his films are lighter, and I'm not saying that Alien 3 is lighter, but Benjamin Button certainly is a lighter film. I think that's when... the, the, the sh- And Mank. Yeah, and Mank as, as well. Yeah, I think that's when you see the... It's, the I don't want to say... He, no, what's, what would be the word for it? What do you mean? I don't know. You mean you don't like it when he's a bit more lighter? Uh, yeah, I don't like it when he's a, lo- a bit more lighter. It's basically a what I'm saying. A bit more lighter. When he's lighter. Yeah, when, he, when his work's lighter, I like it less. I don't know. Well, I'm, I don't know what he's doing next. Me either. I mean, not no my, not more Mindhunter. No, we still we should watch Mindhunter. We should for the bonus bonus episode that we talk about Mindhunter. Maybe, maybe, because Mindhunter's good. Well, I say it's good. It's meant to be very good. It's supposed to be. It, Mindhunter is meant to be very good. We should watch it. Um, I suppose we'll end then there. So where can people see more of your work and follow you on social media? People can find more of my work on Unilad's social feeds. And also, you write, you write. I, I do write, yeah. I, I, you write for Unilad? Yeah, I write for Unilad. I write the occasional film or TV review. I do interviews with cast and I've been known to crank out a feature every now and again. And you can also hear my reviews on BBC Radio Manchester on Thursday mornings at 8.48am. It was funny when you said to be a in Manchester, you review in Mank, because a lot of people call Manchester Mank, yeah, and they were very confused. There was a lot of confusion about Mank versus Mank. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on Twitter at whatever my Twitter handle is. I actually don't know. Is that TW Percival 1, right? Or is it, it TW Percival 1 with an underscore? No, it's TW Percival 1. Thank you for knowing okay. my Twitter handle. You have a podcast. Maybe. I do have a podcast. Every you... Which I do occasionally. <laughs> But you know, like I'm a I'm a busy guy. Uh, 
You've got to plug your podcast now, Tom. Okay. Also, listen to my podcast, Swinging Through Spider-Man, which I present with Cameron Froome, who you heard speak about the social network, if you've listened to this. We are looking at every live action, well, every big screen adaptation of Spider-Man. And so far, we spoke about the Raimi trilogy, and we're currently talking about... (laughs) Maybe this is... I feel like this is why... You have on a halt your podcast because the next movie you're talking about is Amazing Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man 2. 2 and no, and no one, one wants, wants to watch it. No, that's very true. But yeah, you can find me there. Well, I feel that, like you should watch Amazing Spider-Man 2 and do the podcast. I mean, I do Benjamin Button, so... I do want to do it. It's just finding the time and, you know, there's only... Electro is coming... Uh, sorry, Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro, ah, so... How is that going to work? I have no idea. A rewatch is necessary. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on talking about Fincher. I mean, it wasn't much effort for you. No, it wasn't. Because normally (laughs) I get sent to the spare room while you do the podcast. But today I got to sit at the kitchen table. Yes, you did. Well, I I don't know how to end this because we're literally just going to make dinner now. Just going to make some dinner. We're having chicken Chinese curry. So bye. That was me and Tom Percival reflecting on Fincher's filmography, discussing our favourites to end this season after Fincher takes it all. I really hope you enjoyed this series. Thank you for listening and sharing your thoughts on both the podcast and Finch's films with me on social media. This journey may have come to an end for now, but who knows what the future holds? Maybe a Mindhunter special. Make sure you subscribe in your podcast platform of choice, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Fincher Takes It. And once again, thank you for listening. See you soon. <laughs>